So thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your nearness. Yeah, we just to stay here for just a moment. The word promises he's close to the brokenhearted. And probably in each of our lives, we got places where like, man, that part of me is broken. He's close in that place. It's pain. It's things done to you. It's things you're doing that you wish you wouldn't. It's shame. That's the brokenhearted place. And Jesus is like, I am there with you. Just in, I just want to ask her, just right now, if you can identify that place in your life, the place that you want to tend to push him away, the place that, like, if you really knew, which is, he already knows, but it's like the shame place, the pain place, the regret part of your life. Just hold that for a moment and then say, invite Jesus to come close to that place right now. You, Lord, we in our, in our in our places of greatest need that we don't want to look at, we don't want to touch. God, we just say you're welcome there. You're welcome to be a part of my pain. You're welcome to be a part of my shame. You're welcome to be a part of my struggle to get free. God, you're welcome. Just as a people, we just say, Lord, we come to you broken, so in need of a savior. So in need of a rescuer. We love you. We trust you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Right. Well, hey, good evening. Um, if I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Scott Robinson, and I'm thrilled that you're here with us. Thank you, Anna. This should happen every abide. Anna, can I have my water, please? Anna, and I'd like I'd like a donut real quick. Give me a donut. Thank you. Um, hey, glad you're here. Uh, man, what a rich night. And there's more to come. Um, hey, a couple quick things um, just to mention. So that reframing singleness, uh, the slide had the wrong date on it. <laughs> and Drew and his magic back there in front of the computer changed it. So it's the 20th and 21st. And uh, just want to say again, our desire um, has nothing to do with creating a mixer environment or bringing up the pain of singleness or anything. Um, it, this started this summer when I was just praying into the fall and I felt like God said, there's questions in our community that people are asking and no one's talking about them. It's time to start talking about them. So we're getting two weeks from tonight. We're getting there because he called us to go there. And, and I know, because I've had conversations and, and several of us had conversations with a lot of people in our community. They're like, why would I go to something like that? And so my ask would be, Risk with us and see what happens. Okay? Tell your friends, please. Because it's not, it, it really is an invitation from God. He's got something for us on that weekend. We've never done something like this, so we have no kind of grid in our community of expectation. Um, but this is for if you are single. This is if you've been divorced. This is if you're dating and you're not married yet. This is if you're dating and you want to come and just pray for your friends. This is... God's calling our community to something this, that weekend. Um, and I just, I want to meet him with you there. He has something for us. So, um, 
love for you. I've got two weeks from now. Um, it would be super helpful if uh, to sign up soon so we kind of know about food and preparations. Uh, it'll start on a Friday night. We have a church-wide encounter night, and we're going to be a part of that and then doing some stuff afterwards, hanging out. And then Saturday, we're, having, uh, we're bringing someone in that's 35, been single all their life, and walk with Jesus. I know her character and her contentment, and she has hit rock bottom times, and she's been times where she's super content, and she's honest and vulnerable, and she walks with God, and we trust her. So she's coming in not uh, to kind of guide us through the weekend, and, um, but we're also having panels of people in our community talking about some of the tough questions we're going through and just learning together. So just invite you to sign up, bring your friends. It's going to be good. Um, um, one other thing uh, that I just want to mention, this is more of a family conversation, okay? So, Drew, I'm going to need that video in just a second. So, um, a few weeks back, we did a church-wide field day. Who did field day? Was anyone a part of that? Okay, super fun, yeah. So, at my house, we have, we have ring doorbells. <laughs> we have one, and, and I have one kind of on the side of our house, and, and it kind of just, my truck is there. And um, that next morning, I got pinged that there was a problem in my neighborhood. So we live close to here, Dobson Ranch. It's kind of baseline. <laughs> and um, so I want to share with you guys a video that, that my ring doorbell caught and see if you can help me figure out who it is, because it might have been someone from our community. So this is like super sleuther moment. So if you can help us out. Drew, can you pull it up? Who is that? I'll just sit down so we can learn. Yeah, those are potatoes in her hands. Because you're wondering, that's my truck right there, yeah? Who is that? Who? <laughs> what? Anna, do you know who that is? That's Anna. Yep. Um, so that's Anna. Yep. So... You might be wondering, why is she sneaking around my house late at night? A good question for her. You might also be wondering, why are you putting potatoes on Scott's truck? Great question for Anna. I have a hard time answering it. I don't know, but, it's, but thanks for helping me discover the problem. Uh, so the funny thing on the other side was we actually had a painter coming that next morning. So Jenny, and the, Jenny is leaving, going to work, and she like called me and goes, hey, you got potatoes all over your truck. And I'm like, I got what on my where, you know? And so I'm like, I got potatoes and I'm about to leave for work. And so I, I, I walk through a laundry room and I got a laundry basket and I walk out and I'm standing for my truck and there's a lot of potatoes on my truck. And I'm putting them in a laundry basket and I look over and there's the painter. I don't know him. His trunk is open, he's getting his paint supplies and he's looking at me like, and he goes, I go, hey, how are you? Just pretending I'm not pulling potatoes off the trunk and putting on a, on a laundry basket. And I shake his hand, hey, glad you're here, da, da, da. And he goes, why do you have potatoes on your truck? And I was like, it's a long story. I don't know. I just kept going and pretended it wasn't weird, but it was really weird. So I did that to intro that um, Anna and I are going to tag team tonight, bring in the word. And... Um, I thought it was redemptive, right? Instead of like center to community service, we said, hey, come and just preach the word. So, you know, it's a redemption story. We'll, we'll, we'll vote and see at the end. Just kidding. Um, anyways, it actually, there is a backstory and it's really kind of even funnier. I don't have time for it, but that was Anna. Um, so mark my words. Don't come to my house and do anything in my truck because I will catch you on video. Okay. Um, what's that? Someone have a plan? Okay. Um, Back to, back to seriousness, ready? Um, so we're gonna open up the Word, and uh, you guys have these blue cards that I passed out, and we did the last abide as well. Um, and what, we are, what God is kind of calling us to for this season of life is to answer this question, who do you say I am? We're gonna dive into some scripture together about this. Um, I'm gonna pack one thing, one specific thing from these verses, and then Anna's actually gonna come up and share a little bit about some, a name of Jesus on the card and how it's really impacted her life. So I'm really excited about it. I think we're in for some rich opportunity. So, um, so if you could turn your Bibles to Matthew 16. Matthew 16. 
as you're going there, I, I want to say, just mention something um, that's been on my heart for us as a community for a while, and it's just heightening more as I pray for us. It's just as we're together, um, so, so the word says that the, that the word will never return void. So anytime we come into the presence of God with the people of God, looking at the word of God, there's always something for each of us. It's our job to receive it. So it's not our job to critique, it's too loud, it's too quiet, they didn't say enough verses, they, you know, that kind of critical slyness, that's actually not our job. Because that's a preference, and sometimes it's criticism. Our job is to say, Lord, this word is living and active, what do you have for me? And so I just want to invite each of us, me included, there's something for you and I tonight to walk away with and say, that's my one word that I'm going to respond to. Whether it's some kind of idea to say, I'm going to dig in the scripture more, or I'm going to read this more, I'm going to start praying this, there's something for each of us. And, and, and I just, I'm concerned that if we don't, we go into church times like this, or abides, or life group, and we don't leave saying, I have something to respond to God in, then the risk is we become less like a disciple, more like a Pharisee. The Pharisees knew a ton of scripture, but they missed Jesus in, the, in all of it. We can, we can subtly be kind of lulled to sleep in environments like this where we just kind of hear the word. We just kind of get in the worship and we kind of critique it. And, not, and all along we're like, we're being lulled to sleep. We're not actually being transformed into his image. Okay? So just invite us to do that. All right? Okay. Uh, Matthew 16. What we're going to do is let's read this together. We're going to start at verse 13. So who can read it for us? 13 through 20. You want to read it? You like microphones? Is that right? Yay. Hearing? Okay. Chapter 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Do you want me to keep reading? 19? And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the, kings of the, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. All right. Okay, let's do one more. Everyone take two minutes and read through it slowly yourself. Okay, sometimes you got to let the word kind of marinate into us. So read it real quickly to yourself, 13 through 19. You can look up when you're done. So I just want to submit to us this question in verse 15 is the most important question on all the earth. This question, Jesus, he, he starts out general, right? Who do people say I am? And then they, they throw out some names. And if we had more time, I could unpack this, or this would be a great thing to take home and say, God, why were people confused with who Jesus was and thought they were this people? But then he, he gets very personal. He said, what about you guys? There's men and women there. What about you? Who do you say that I am? That question is echoing through eternity. The question's echoing in our heart. Billy Graham says that we all have a God-shaped hole in our heart that only he can fill. This question points to that hole. This question is a moment of salvation and is a lifetime of 
meaning with him and being changed. This question can be answered if we look at how we live our lives, what we listen to, yeah, just the secret place in our lives. This question can be determined and help us understand how we spend our time. Who do we say I am? It's really, really important. And I just, this is something to leave with us to walk away with, is saying, God, search me and know me. Is there anything in my life that doesn't line up with who I think I say you are? Because if our life doesn't line up with our words, then something's got to give, right? Okay, so then Simon Peter, he jumps in, he goes, hey, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Okay, the word, what does the word Messiah mean? Help me out. What is it? Savior, Savior? yeah. Messiah? Okay, he was, they, this is a Jewish context. They lived generation after generation waiting for the Messiah. Simon Peter was born and raised saying that the Savior is coming one day to rescue us. Who is that person? So the fact that, that Simon Peter said, you're the Messiah is huge. In our context, it doesn't quite make sense, except if we look at our life and we go, where's the sin in my life? Oh, wait, I need a Savior. I need a soon coming king. He's here now and he'll carry me till eternity. He's the one that sits on the throne next to the Father makes intercession for us. This is our Messiah. If you're looking for a name of Jesus, this is a good one to stay on for a long time. It, because it speaks of authority. We can get up underneath him. Okay. And then it goes on. And, and the beautiful part here is Peter makes this confession. And then Jesus, then in his confession, Jesus says, this is your identity. Heaven knows you as Peter. I, the, the Messiah, knows you as Peter, not your father, and your father's kid, that the world knows, you are a rock. And then he says, on this truth, I'm going to build my church. And he unfolds the beauty of the church and its purpose in God's heart. It's incredible. But I just want to say, all of that revelation, all of that, that from his identity to God's dream for the earth, to the power that the church hold, started with Peter's confession. He's the one that said, you're the Messiah. And Jesus looked at him and goes, oh, actually, you're Peter. You're way more powerful than you realize. And actually, can I tell you about my dreams in my heart? So Peter's confession opens the door for, for identity to be released and for God's dreams to be spoken and communicated. Okay? So let's real quick take a little roll forward in history. So at this point, Peter says, you're the Messiah, right? Like I'm like pinnacle of revelation, pinnacle of maturity, right? Peter's probably nearly perfect at this point. Not really. Eight chapters later, Jesus starts talking with the disciples about he's going to be crucified. And Peter said, rebukes him and goes, you're crazy. What are you talking about? And Jesus speaks to the lie that Peter's believing and says, get behind me, Satan. He's not calling Peter Satan because he called him the rock. Heaven doesn't know him as Satan. Heaven knows Peter is the rock, the true identity of who he is. But he said, that, that voice you're listening to, that's not God's voice. So eight verses later, Peter's rebuked. <laughs> Bad day for Peter, right? We roll ahead in the Gospels and we see that shortly after that, 10 chapters later, Jesus is looking him in the eyes and saying, you're going to betray me before I die. Peter cuts off a dude's ear. <laughs> we know this part, right? Um, a lot of bad things happen. Peter stands and is questioned before people, and three different times he denies him, and the last time he says in anger, he goes, I don't even know that man. This is the Peter. This is the rock, right? He abandons Jesus at his greatest need. He's the one that Jesus took him, and he said, hey, let's go pray in the garden, and they fall asleep as Jesus is weeping and bleeding. Blood's coming out of his face. He's longing for a breakthrough from God. This is that Peter. This is the same Peter when Jesus is resurrected that he sit around a fire and he says, do you love me? Three times he asked him. This is the same Peter. My point is this. A lot of times if we want transformation, breakthrough, whatever it is in our lives, we need to start confessing it before we start seeing it. Peter wasn't perfect. In fact, he was a mess. But he goes, oh, I know, I know. You're the Messiah. And I'll follow you. Wait until I deny you, but I'm still coming back. Confession needs to come out of our hearts and out of our lips before we see breakthrough a lot of times. This is truth. So that's the purpose of this card. That's the power of this card is who is Jesus to you? Who do you need him to be? 
Let's start confessing that. God, I, I, I need breakthrough in my finances. Okay, you're Jehovah Jireh, the scripture says. You're the God that provides. So I'm gonna start believing. God, I trust you. This is how much I need a financial breakthrough, but I believe this is who you are. And we trust him, and so our eyes get off of our need, off of our problem, off of our challenge, and we look at the one who is stable and faithful. Our confession meets our faith, and we lock eyes with him, and it doesn't matter as much when this breakthrough comes. It does. We want it to change quickly, but pain has purpose a lot of times in our lives, right? Okay? So that's the, they just want to leave us with that. Who is this Jesus to you? Who do you need him to be? What's a situation in your life where you hold on and go, that's my king? For me, faithful. My dad left when I was 11, out of the blue business trip, poof, called the family, never coming home. In and out of jail, did horrible things, living in South America on a false passport, running from the law still. Okay, this is my dad. I need to know my God's faithful because my dad's not to this day. And so for me, my Jesus is faithful because it heals my heart. Before I ever see my earthly father get there, it's a brief story. Years of crying out, God, this is who you are because I know you can move in my dad's life before she ever saw it. So the power of confession leads our hearts to a place of stability, regardless of a situation, all right? So Anna's got some, one specific thing in her life of the character of God. Thanks. All right, backstory to that video that he showed. At field day, if you guys were there, there was a game, then you had to like put the potato in between your legs and like run. And Scott was like, don't you want somebody to take these potatoes home? You can eat them. I was like, no, I don't want potatoes that were in between people's legs. That's weird. So I came home, and he had the potatoes, like, sitting on my porch. And so then I snuck over to his house and put them in his house. So <laughs> you're welcome. Um, guys, my name is Anna. Um, yeah, just quickly going to talk about, um, on this card, um, it's the first word um, and name on here. It's Good Shepherd. So this is probably one that you have... Um, probably heard a lot of sermons about. I was actually thinking today, I was like, I am no John Mark Comer. But um, that is not what we're doing tonight. Um, it's not something that profound. But I'm just going to share some testimonies of just how he's been a good shepherd. So, um, and also what Scott was saying, um, I just saw this card as like a map. I think sometimes we see maps and we haven't been to a place, a city or a national park or a river, but we believe it's there. It's like, it's on the map. It's like, this is truth from scripture. Like, this is a map and names of his, that he, this is, this is names. Um, and you might not have experienced them or seen them yet, but may it be a journey that you get to experience these. So this is your map. Um, okay. So before I talk a little bit about how I just feel like the Lord has been a good shepherd to me and a testimony um, today, I want to recap a little bit just who I would have said he was in my 20s. So imagine 25-year-old Anna a little bit less gray hair, probably more in shape. Um, I, um, in my 20s, um, had was in a long-term relationship, so probably almost about five years. So um, I was heartbroken, just dreams were shattered, didn't know what I wanted to do next. My identity was wrapped up in a person that I didn't even speak to anymore. Um, yeah, no clue really was next. So it, out of that place, I had grown up in church, but out of that place, I just felt like I had done everything right, but it didn't kind of result in something that I wanted. So just kind of was like, all right, I'm just going to do my own thing. So at that point, um, I just kind of started doing, like I said, my own thing. So I became selfish, kind of traveled a lot, did a lot of things with my friends, um, would have called myself emotionally numb at the time, um, dependent on myself, avoided of commitments, definitely uninterested in community. I would go if I was around, but not a part of my life. Um, and I would have said Jesus was, at the time, I would have said he was confusing. Uh, I would have said he was uninterested. I would have said he was far off, that he didn't have time for me, um, was not safe, and only wanted perfection. So if that's you tonight, um, that's okay. That was also me. And there's times that I find myself in that same spot. So what's good is those words that I just described him as is not on this card, nor would you ever find those in scripture. So, um, we know what's lies and what is truth. So, um, again, at that time, Jesus was probably a salvation ticket for me, um, not a daily, daily lifeline. Um, so before I go into who he is now to me, um, let's just look what the Bible says of who he is. So 
Turn into John 10. On the card, it talks, um, the Good Shepherd specifically, it just says John 10, 11, but we're going to go through verses 1 through 11. Something I like to do, so I would like you to do it as well. Um, when I'm reading scripture, I um, take out my pen and I write in my Bible, um, and I underline a lot of times just the verb. So what's the verb that's describing what God is saying, doing? A lot of times also, what is it saying that humans are doing? It's interesting how you can see the rhythms, that God normally does the same thing over and over. He provides, he gives, he cares, and a lot of times as humans, we forget and we doubt and we get confused. So if you are a writer like me, write these out. I'll read this slow. Underline it, or if you've got your phone, um, highlight it. So let's just see what scripture says um, in John 10 of what and who the good shepherd is. Okay. Starting at verse 1. I'm in the NIV version. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to him. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice, but they will run away from him because, wait, I'm sorry, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees still did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to me. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So if you took my challenge... What are some um, verbs that describe what the shepherd is doing in these 11 verses? Say them out loud. Mm-hmm. Calls? Lays down? Leads? Say it again. Yep. Opens? Gathers? Goes before? He gives life. He lays down his life. What are some things that says the sheep are doing in these 11 verses? What do they do? Listen. Follows. They know his voice. Yep, they run away from a stranger, and they are saved. So look at that text again. If you want to read through it one more time, I bet there's a verb um, or an action that's standing out that you're kind of like, I don't know if I believe that right now. So just take a second, just read over that and write it down. If there's something that you need to sit with over the weekend... That describes the good shepherd of what he does for his sheep. That maybe you're wrestling with after reading that.
All right, you are going into a weekend with some extra time to have some extra time with Jesus. So sit with him with that. Um, okay, again, we talked about a lot of verbs and actions that the shepherd does in this. I'm only going to focus on four. So when I was reading this, there's just some specific stories from my past. I was like, oh my gosh, I need to remember this, but I'm going to walk you through it. Um, that just show, again, the goodness that he is the good shepherd. Um, so fast forward, I was saying like a little bit about my 20s or where I was at. Um, around 27, 28, I got to the point where you probably all have been at your point uh, at some point in your life where you're like, okay, well the world doesn't satisfy. Okay. I'll give Jesus a try again. Um, so hopped into a uh, church again in a community and just was kind of like, okay, let's do this again. He uh, led me to saying yes to a year away. So I did something called the world race, which is 11 months, um, abroad. Um, and you do it with community and you're traveling each month. Um, and it was wonderful. It was awesome year. Um, the first year that I used, uh, really learned what authentic community was because you're living 24 seven with people. Uh, first time I learned that the Holy Spirit speaks, it was actually the first time I was actually, I remember in Haiti, like really wrestling where I was like, do I believe this? I don't know if I do. Um, but really wrestled with that. And at the end of it was like, okay, I'm coming out of the 11 months believing that he does speak and he's a God that speaks, um, and served and, um, had a lot of purpose in that year. But that wasn't, that wasn't the thing um, that actually helped me, just taught me that he is a good shepherd. It was kind of what happened after. So came home um, from, again, a, a year that was awesome. Had lots of dreams and ideas of what was going to happen next. Um, and came home just to a diagnosis that I didn't want. Um, so with that, I was living, yeah, I thought I was going to live with my parents for four weeks. Ended in be eight months after that. Anybody live with your parents later on in life? Pretty humbling. Yep. Um, so I uh, lived with my parents. Um, again, I had a new diagnosis. I did not want, um, my independence was stripped. I had no money, y'all, literally none. Um, I was very much single um, and just lots of things where I was like, this is the bottom of the barrel. I have hit it. Um, so he brought, he started in that year uh, I'm just, when I was recapping and thinking about this is like, just imagine yourself in your small town, but your small town is like really small. Um, you have one friend, that was me, um, Friday and Saturday nights were either I'm going to go have some time with the Lord or I'm going to watch TV with my parents. Um, I had no community again. Um, I was definitely depressed and sad and alone and just really upset. Um, I joined a Bible study at my church and the average age was probably 50. So it was like, well, I mean, seriously, one of those moments where I'm like, wow, what is my life? Um, but that was my life for about eight months. Um, so a little getting back from a year that was just awesome, had so many dreams. Um, and then coming back to that, was just like, this is not what I had planned. Um, so for the first time, I had to rely on him. And so James 4, 8, if you want to write this down, but again, one of my favorite verses, it says, come near to God because he will come near to you. Like it was the first time that I was like, okay, Lord, this is terrible. <laughs> um, but you say I can come near to you. So I'm for the first time going to come in and I'm going to grieve with you and I'm going to be pissed with you and I'm going to be sad with you and I'm going to feel depression with you and I'm going to feel loneliness. But it's just the first time that I actually was like, okay, we're going there. Like, and again, circumstances did not change for a long time, but it was just the first time I allowed him to sit with me in it. So, Months of grieving, praying, sadness, lots of processing and tears. Um, and then I just got to see him as a shepherd to show up. Um, in verse 3, the first one, we're going to talk about that verb. Um, in verse 3, where it says that he calls his own sheep by name. Let me read the whole thing. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So like I said, this was the first time I, I painted a picture of identity, identity prior of who it was in, and it was definitely not Jesus. And I'm in this spot of like, okay, by worldly senses, I'm unemployed, I'm single, I don't have my own like place, I don't have enough money in my bank account, um, I'm weak, like all these things, like worldly senses, I'm like, this is everything that someone would call me if they heard what I was doing or not doing. So it really was the first time that I was like, okay, Lord, I need to know who you say I am. Like, who do you say I am? And that was a place for a first positive identity. So he called me beautiful and whole and able and strong. Um, because that, that's what I needed to hear. And those were like life words I needed to hold on to. And so I can think about the certain times like in my room or at the lake or the river out of time with him. I was just like, the, again, had 
previously just learned the Holy Spirit speaks, but it was like, that was just life. Like he, he speaks life. So tonight is a reminder. He calls his own sheep by name. He calls you by name. So yes, he calls you by your name, but also just how he's made you, what he's created you for. So this is a space of reminder. He calls us, the good shepherd has good things to call over you. We need to hear it. Verse three also says that he leads them out. So again, imagine Anna, just imagine yourself in your hometown, small town, your alma mater. Um, I was teaching at my old high school, very humbling. Um, every single job I was uh, applying for, it was just rejection, rejection, rejection. I'm like, I'm like overqualified for all these jobs. Like, seriously, this doesn't make any sense. Um, desire, I mean, it, it, in Arkansas and other places, I was just like, Lord, you're just closing the door. And out of nowhere, I was talking to a friend on the phone. And again, I had, if I could just hone one thing, the importance of hearing and believing that the Holy Spirit speaks to you and believing that he wants to say things and making space and time to hear him. Um, I was on the phone with a friend and we were talking about nothing. And for the first time, I was just in the car and we were talking and I heard the Lord say, will you move to Phoenix? And I was like, my first response was no. I'd never been here. I had no idea what was here. Why would I move to Phoenix? I had just told you that I was, yeah, why would I do that? Um, but again, in the wrestling and that eight months of like, where am I going next and what's happening? And that was just honestly like one of those most pivotal moments that it's like, if I hadn't learned his voice and believed that he could lead me, then I wouldn't have been here. Um, and here I am. It's like one that's been the best decisions of my life. I've been here for six years. So um, he leads his sheep out when it's time. I think a lot of times we are really impatient with this timing and really impatient of when and what, um, but we have to trust this timing. He also doesn't drive the sheep out in this verse. He provides direction and leadership. He leads them out. So just imagine a shepherd and he's like, you're in a sheep and you're in the pen. It's like, okay, it's time. Lindsay, it's time. Let's go. Like so calm, so like loving, like it's time. Let's go. Because he knows what's ahead and he knows what, what's before them and he's not going to bring him out into danger. So praise God. He led me out and that um, he has me here. So third one is verse four is one of my favorites. He goes before when he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. So just imagine the shepherd is leading, opens the gate, leads the sheep out, and he's like, go over there, so they lead, and then he runs on ahead, and he's like, don't worry, don't worry, I've got it, I'm going before you. <laughs> you don't have to do it by yourself. Um, so again, that has rang true. Again, he brought me to Phoenix, and he didn't leave me here. Then he didn't say go to Phoenix and say have fun and peace out. He really spoke roommates, and he spoke home situations, and he spoke jobs, and he spoke assurance, and he's walked with me every single step of the way. So tonight, again, a reminder, and hopefully this is stirring of like, I need to be reminded that he does. He goes before me. He hasn't left. So even he leads out, and he also goes before. Verse 9 my verse, version says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. One of my favorite characteristics of God is the practicalness of him. He knows how much money is in your bank account, how much your mortgage is, um, knows what job you need, all those things he knows. Um, and again, it tells it so right here as a reminder. Um, that he gives and provides pasture. So he knows his sheep need food. He knows his sheep need nourishment, and he's going to give it to them. Um, for me, that year when I was saying I didn't have a lot of money, had a, a job that was providing very minimal um, income, uh, I literally remember saying to the Lord, I was like, Lord, I don't make enough. I was paying a lot of medical bills. I was like, I don't make enough to eat or live. Like, I just remember saying that. I was like, you're going to have to do something. Um, and that was the, one of those sweet years that I never had to ask, but the Lord provided me food and he provided me a home. So I lived with my parents and never, they even said it from the get-go, you don't owe us any money for food, you don't owe us any money for rent. And then when he took me and brought me to Phoenix, the people that I lived with, that was part of the deal. Hey, you're going to help us and you're going to work for us, but also part of that deal is we'll feed you and you'll have a place to stay. And so it was like one of those moments where I was like, okay, <laughs> I can't believe I actually like have seen him provide in such a tangible way. Um, but if we believe that this scripture is true, the good shepherd provides pasture for you. 
And then in verse 10, um, and then in 11, that it just says that he gives life. I'm going to reread it. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Um, so again, this is my testimony. This is some things of the beginning of me actually believing that he was good shepherd. Um, and I think in verse 10 where it says that he has given, he gives life to the full. I think my thirties have been that sweet picture of like, actually like a life that is actually full because I've actually allowed him in and allowed him to direct and allowed him to lead and allowed him to affirm me in that. Um, so my first question for you guys, and you can just write this down or just close your eyes and think about it. But when I was reading this and at this time in my life to where I am now, I imagined myself in the twenties that there was a pen and there was a shepherd, but they were a hundred yards away. I didn't even trust him to get close to him. And now it's like, no, I, I want to be in your pen. Like I trust you of what you're doing, that you're a good shepherd. So tonight, just where you're at, be honest with them. Where's the shepherd and where are you and how far are you away from each other? couple more places of response. Out of these 11 verses and just the action points and just characteristics of the Good Shepherd that I touched on, there's some, probably some in there that you, I didn't talk about, that you enjoyed. And I'm just believing that one of these you have really seen, you're almost reminded that he brought to a reminder of like, yeah, see, I have been the Good Shepherd. Remember this or this or this. Um, so, Drew, if you would put that first slide up. Jackson Anderson did this um, kind of just prayer model at um, House of Prayer, and I thought it was um, really good. So look up here, write this down, um, and this is just a time to thank him, be reminded of what he's done. It says, I have seen the Lord. He found me in my blank. He gave me blank. He is a good shepherd. So take a second. to fill in those two blanks and just thank him as you're reminded that he is a good shepherd.
Yeah, thank you, Lord, that you remind us of ways that you have been a good shepherd. We trust you. Now, our second response is just going to us be vulnerable of where we don't trust him tonight. And this is good. So, Drew, if you go to the next slide. It just says, Jesus, John Ken 10, calls you a good shepherd, that blank. But tonight, I just don't believe that because of blank. I want to know you as the good, as a John 10, 11, good shepherd. Help me to believe this truth. So take a second to think on that. Write it down. Be honest with yourself and be honest with him. All right, here's where we're going to move around a little bit. Um, let's stand up real quick. Um, there's four things I touched on, but I'm going to clump them in three. So the first one was obviously that he calls his sheep by name. So if that is true for you, that you're like, I just need to hear what you say about me, Lord. I need you to speak identity. I need you to remind you who I am. Um, we're going to take some time to pray for that. So I think what's cool is if you're like, had said, hey, I don't believe that you think I, whatever, like that same thing. And I, I, I need to believe that, Lord. What's cool is even if out of a place of like, I don't really fully believe this, when you pray that for somebody, it stirs faith in you. So there, recently, I feel like the Lord, it was upper room. I feel like the Lord was challenging me to pray for healing, even though I'm like, I just don't know if I believe that right now. But the Lord brought me to two people to pray for. And man, I was boldly praying. And then I was like, it was so convicting. So I was like, this is stirring something in me. Like, even though I'm wrestling with this, as I speak life over these girls for healing, it's, it's, it's doing something in me. So um, we're going to separate into three groups. So I want everybody to get out of their seat and choose one of these. So in that space, if you're going to choose that group, you're going to, I mean, basically just go low and say, I want to pray for one or two people and then ask for someone to pray for me. So if you're in that space, you're in, everyone's in that same spot for a reason. Okay. So if you're like, Hey, that's great. Anna, you gave an example that he spoke life over you when the world was saying all these other things about you. I just need that tonight. I don't feel that that group can be over here. If um, the part where it says that he, in verse uh, three, where it says he leads them out um, and then also just goes um, before them and you just need direction, guidance, a next step, like you just feel like he has totally vanished, that group can be over here. And the third one, um, just the practicalness that in verse nine, where it talks about that he provides pasture, that you just need physical 
provision, job, home, something like that, that group will be over here. So let's be bold. And I love, Brie, what you said earlier. It's just like, may our requests be known that we need him. Um, and we have just said, like, Lord, I need to know you. I need you to speak affirmation over me, identity. I need you to speak direction and also take care of my needs. So um, I'm going to pray for us and then choose one of those. Um, be bold and pray for somebody first. And then switch off and you have them pray for you. Um, and may we leave and everybody has just been seen and been able to say out loud just what they're struggling with and what they want to see. Um, yeah, see the Jesus as, as a good shepherd because he is. So Lord, um, thank you just for tonight. I think earlier as we were worshiping, I was like, I just feel like there's somebody in the room of people here that have just tasted and seen that you're good. Like, and it hasn't been from things like life has been easy. <laughs> like, I don't know, there was just something earlier in worship that I was like, I feel like everybody in this room can just say life has been really hard, but I'm declaring and I'm worshiping and I'm just choosing again, Jesus, that you're good. So Lord, we agree with that, that you are a good shepherd that we just read about, that you call us by name and you lead us out and you love us. Um, you take care of us. You feed us, Jesus, that you give life to the full. And we believe this is true tonight, Lord. Um, thank you that we can be honest with you in the places that we don't believe tonight, that you want to um, change that. Stir us, Lord. Uh, may we just sit with you this weekend. Maybe on Monday we go to work and we're like, I feel different. There's something stirring in me that I have more faith in you as a good shepherd than I did before. So, so Lord, we just give you the space of just response and prayer and vulnerability, Lord, but just also just may you give words and um, verses just as we pray over each other, just of faith um, that you're just a good shepherd, that what we're saying um, and what we're believing to, that this scripture is true. So we agree with that tonight, Lord. So we love you. Um, we give you just this last response um, at the end of the week that we can be honest and, and vulnerable with you and each other, Lord. So we love you. Amen. So group one, need to know what he says about you. Group two, direction and guidance because you need to know that he leads you out and he goes before you. And then over here, if you're needing to know and be reminded that he provides pasture for physical job, financial, anything like that over here. So let's make some moves.